I'm Katie, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you and your family are here, and we would love to get connected with you. One easy way you can do that is text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website, therivertrch.cc, to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So, over the last week, as I've been getting ready for our our message this morning, as I've been diving into Matthew 6, which we've been looking at, I get really excited because over the next week we're talking about one of my favorite topics in all of Scripture. And for me, that's prayer. I love prayer. To me, prayer means a ton. Because prayer is talking to the Lord. And how often do you get to talk to someone who's supremely important? Not a lot, right? Maybe you get to talk to people who are supremely important to you, but when it comes to like the creator of the world, the creator of the universe, your personal savior, the savior of the world, a lot of times you don't think about that as someone that you get to talk to. But that is exactly what prayer is. And so this morning, there's really no better way, a better way to start. Uh, there's no story that's better than really starting in prayer. So let's, let's pray this morning. Bow your heads with me. Lord, Lord, thank you for prayer. Thank you that we can come together and we can pray and we can, we can talk to you. The Lord, the Creator, the Almighty, the Holy, our Father in heaven. Lord, as we look at prayer this morning, I pray that you would encourage us. You help us to reflect on our own prayer lives and that you would give us understanding of your word. In your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, picking up where we left off last week. And, and I, I, and I kind of introed last week by talking about uh, how we've, as a church, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount over the last several falls. Uh, every fall we've come back to the Sermon on the Mount and kind of where we picked up in the Sermon on the Mount, right? We're kind of picking up in the middle to end here where Jesus has been preaching. He's, he gathered the disciples around him and, and he gathered the crowds around him and they kind of scooted up close and he just began to teach. And as he taught, He was taking things that they thought they had a grasp of, that they thought that they had a deep understanding of, and he kind of flipped the script on them, right? How they had had this understanding like of of things like anger, right? And And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Like sometimes you can be angry, but you know, like as long as we're not murdering, right, people? And he's like, no, 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 when you're angry at, at someone in your heart and you let it fester and boil, it's as if you murdered them. And he's like, oh, yeah, you guys think you understand, like, this idea of adultery, and, and, like, as long as I don't, like, sleep with someone who's not my wife, then I'm good. And he's like, no, 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 if you lust after them, then you have committed adultery in your heart, 
right? And there's this like thing after thing where he was like, no, 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 you, you kind of like set the bar here when in reality the bar is here. And last week we talked about the idea of giving and how a lot of times they had thought they were doing the bare minimum of giving, specifically when it came to taking care of the poor, and specifically that they were doing it in a way that was really just for everyone to see. It became like a spiritual fashion show. And that's kind of going to be the tagline over the next uh, couple of weeks as we take a look at this is, you know, what had happened was these people, specifically in the Old Testament, had made their spiritual lives a fashion show, right? Where they were walking down and they just wanted people to, to see this thing or that thing. And it wasn't really about anything that was inside. It was about all external. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be diving deep into this idea of prayer, And for me, like I said, prayer means a lot to me, but a lot of times when I'm talking to people, specifically new believers, I, I, I start talking about prayer and there's this intimidating idea behind prayer, right? There are, there's, there's so much to be intimidated by in prayer, right? There's people who are, who are intimidated, you know, like, I don't know what to say, right? I don't know exactly the right words, or they've heard people pray, and they're like, man, they're, they seem so eloquent, or they seem, you know, like they got like these certain words that they always have to say, and I don't know the right words, so, you know, I'm, I'm really like scared to pray. Or they're afraid of offending God, and they're afraid of, you know, like saying the wrong thing, like maybe I'll say something that will get me into trouble with God, and so, you know, I don't want to pray at all. Or they've only seen prayer happen in front of other people, and they're like, no, 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 like, I, I'm definitely not going to talk in front of other people, let alone pray. Or there's just thing after thing that seems like these barriers in front of what prayer is, or us praying as individuals. And so when Jesus is teaching, when he's teaching his disciples, and he's teaching all these people who had gathered around, he takes a significant period of time to teach about prayer. Why? Because prayer is incredibly important. And so like I said, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching of prayer. He starts out, and he's teaching about the tone of prayer. And then next week, we're going to look at the words of prayer. He starts teaching them what to say or how to pray in terms of like what you say. And then he gives them an example by praying. And we dub that in Scripture the Lord's Prayer because he prays and he says, pray like this. And we see that, and we're going to take a look at that actually for two weeks, which I'm really excited about. But we're going to jump in this morning into Matthew chapter 6, into verse 5, where he kicks off talking about prayer. And if you would follow along with me here in verse 5, it says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, you have received, or they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so he once again, he flips the script. He says, you have seen prayer demonstrated this way. 
All that you have seen prayer demonstrated as is people who get up in front of you and they pray and, and they're very haughty and they're very, you know, religious and all these different things. And they're making a big show of their prayer. But when they leave, they don't ever pray on their own. There's no individual side of prayer. And prayer is more of a speech than it is actually prayer. And once again, he begins to flip the script. He says, that's not how it was supposed to be. That's not what prayer is supposed to be. Prayer is supposed to be a conversation with God. It's supposed to be interacting with the God of the universe. And so he he starts to tell them, all right, here's what your heart posture should look like, but here is how you should even start to pray. And he kind of, like, in my mind, he almost talks about, like, prayer as in riding a bike. And a lot of times when people say, like, riding a bike, they just talk about, like, oh, you never forget how to do it. But when I think about riding a bike, I think about, like, you become more and more comfortable as you do it, right? The first time you get on a bike, you're like, whoa, like, this thing is, like, wicked unstable. You're talking about, like, two wheels, and it's only, like, this much, and I got to balance on it? Like, what? And you're, like, trying not to, like, wobble. You're trying to keep yourself straight. That's why, you know, like, if you're, you start off when you're a little kid, like, you got the training wheels that get you a little stable as you go. And then the more and more you ride your bike, right, the more and more easy it becomes, the more and more comfortable you get on it, right? Pretty soon you're like, oh yeah, I, I can do all this type of stuff, right? Or if you're like me, you're like, all right, let's set up a jump, right? And like jump something or do a wheelie and then you get really hurt and then you have to do it again, right? And it, it's, it's interesting, right? You get more comfortable as you practice, as you begin to do it, as you continue to do it more and more and more and more. But what Jesus is saying here is, the practice that y'all, right, as he's teaching, y'all are putting in is y'all are focused on practicing the wrong things. You're focused on the attention side of it. You're focused on everyone else seeing you. That's not, that's not what I'm after at all. That's not what, what, what God's after at all. He's not after everyone seeing. He's after the purpose of prayer. And the purpose of prayer is talking to God. You are too focused on corporate prayer and making yourself look good. Now, corporate prayer or prayer as a group, it should be utilized. We should be praying together, right? If I got up here on a Sunday morning or we did a gathering on a Sunday morning and we never once prayed, that would be a problem. But what corporate prayer or prayer as a group should be is, it should be an overflow of our personal prayer lives. It is a major problem if the only time I ever pray is Sunday morning in front of all of you. Because that is exactly what Jesus says, a hypocrite. And this idea of a hypocrite is someone who wears a mask, Right? Someone who puts on a face. He says, every time these people pray, pray, they're putting on a face. They're putting on a face of these people who have a deep spiritual connection to God, when in reality, the only thing they're after is not a connection with God. It is the appearance of a religious person. And so, 
what Jesus does is he flips the script. He says, pray to speak and hear from God, not impress others. Pray to speak and to hear from God, not impress others. That's where he starts off. He says, this is how you should pray. And one of the things that I want to do this morning is, as we take a look at the different ways that Jesus teaches us uh, and, and the tone in which we should pray, I, I want to take a look at someone in, in Scripture who has demonstrated that as he's prayed. And that is David, King David. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 42. And I would say David, other than Jesus, is one of the best prayers in Scripture. And the awesome part about David being one of the best prayers in Scripture is we have a ton of evidence or we have a ton of examples that we can look to as we look at David's prayer life. And as Jesus speaks, right, he's talking about the motivation of prayer. He's saying, what is your motivation for prayer? Is your motivation to be seen by others? Is your motivation to be religious? Is your motivation to just use prayer as a transition? I've seen that used in churches way too often. It's just like, all right, it's meant to get us from point A to point B, right? Or is prayer a desire to communicate with God? A desire for deeper understanding of God. And the question comes down to, why do we pray? And this is where I think a lot of the misconceptions step in, right? Where a lot of people think like, oh, we pray because God really wants to hear from us. We pray because God really needs us to pray. Does God want us to pray? Absolutely. Does God want to hear from us? Absolutely. But God does not need you or I at all. Prayer is more for our benefit because prayer is helping us grow in a deeper understanding of our Lord, right? As I get to know my wife, it would be one thing if I'm like, all right, Meg, you get to know me and you get a chance to talk to me. She'd be like, see ya. You know, like, I'm not doing that, right? Right? That is an aspect of how do we grow deep in our understanding of one another? We have conversation. And as we want to understand God, we pray because it helps us to talk, to communicate, to get a deeper relationship and understanding and intimacy with God. God knows you. God knit you together in your mother's room. He understands everything about you. He doesn't need a deeper understanding of you. He wants you to have a deep understanding of him. He wants you to need to talk to him. And this is why we're looking at Psalm chapter 42, because the way that David starts this off is such a great depiction of this emotion in his life and how we should emulate that. Psalm 42 verse 1 says this, As a deer pants for flowing stream." streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When shall I come and appear before God? Just the emotion behind that, right? Like David's desire to pray here is not to be seen, It's not to be haughty. It's not to be religious. It's not about anyone else. He doesn't mention people watching him. He doesn't watching the subjects of Israel. He's not even talking about his wife or his family. He is so desiring God on a personal level that he's like, when is the next time that I can pray? When shall I come and appear before God? And he uses that picture of, a, of thirst, right? As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. There's this picture of desperation, right? There's this picture of a need for prayer. But a lot of us, I think the reason why we don't feel this is because we don't want to feel this desperate, right? If we're honest, we don't want to feel a weakness. We don't want to feel like we're reliant on something other than ourselves. And so we don't ever let ourselves get to a point where we're so thirsty, where we're so in need for prayer that we can't help but do anything other than pray. Because that's inconvenient. Because that's time out of our day that a lot of us aren't willing to make. And notice how I said we don't have. Because we have time for prayer. We just don't like to make it. We don't like to be creative. We don't like to spend time or prioritize time to set aside time to pray. Because we don't want to be that thirsty. We don't want to be that desperate for prayer. Because that's inconvenient. But what Jesus says here is, if you want to get serious about prayer, you have to want it more than just for other people to see it. That's when true prayer starts to happen, is when you start to need it on your own. Because he says, here's the thing, he he relates it to this reward, right? And he says, be careful, he says, because there, there are these people who are doing it for the appearance of things. And he says, and truthfully, they're going to get it, right? People are going to look at them and they're going to hear their haughty and audacious prayers and they're going to be like, oh my goodness, look how spiritual these people are. He says, that's the reward. That's all that they're going to get is some reputation. He says, but there's a reward that's coming for you that's so much better. As you need God, and as you need that intimacy with God, that understanding of God, and as you go to him in prayer, it will be given. And we're going to talk about that more in a little bit, but I want to take actually a step out and start to look at some of the words that he uses. There's one word that kind of comes up here, and as he's talking about God, as he's talking about prayer, he chooses to use this word, Father. That's the title he chooses to talk about. Is He says, prayer is speaking to our Father. Praying is speaking to God, our Father. Now, uh, my dad is especially bad at answering phone calls, right? He is 
always been terrible at answering the phone. Like, even when I was growing up, it was kind of like a joke of like, yeah, uh, we never know when my dad will get back to you, right? There'll be people at his job who are trying to get a hold of him, and he's like, he never calls them back, never answers the phone. He was terrible, and still is terrible at answering his phone, answering text messages, or whatever. But you want to know who he always picked up the phone for? My sister. No, I'm just kidding. For, my, for me, he also picked up for my sister and my mom too. But for the sake of the argument this morning, he always would pick up for me. Whatever he was doing, he would drop and he would make sure that he picked up the phone for me. I have a special ringtone in his phone so that he knows when I'm calling. And even to this day, he will step out of important meetings or important counseling sessions with people because he knows if I'm calling, I probably need something. Now, when he answers it, maybe, hey, can you call me back in an hour, right? Or what do you need? Can you call me back in an hour? But he always will answer. Why? Because he is a father who is concerned for his child. Because He knows and loves me, and he's willing to give me the attention of a father concerned for his child. And so as Jesus talks about prayer, he wants people to understand that there is this very personal relationship between you and God. And for the people of this time, that was very, very foreign. And I would even say for most of us in this room, it is very, very foreign to think of God like that. To think of God as a father who is concerned about us. Who is willing to to drop everything and listen and turn his ear to hear our prayers. That can be hard for a multitude of reasons. Maybe some of us never had fathers who would listen. Or didn't give us great attention. Maybe you have never felt like anyone in your world has been really willing to listen to you or drop everything to hear what you have to say. Maybe you feel like no one cares. Maybe you had that at some point and now you just feel alone. That's why Jesus emphasizes that here. He's saying, you may not get it. It may not click in your, your brain. It may not make sense to you. But God is willing to listen to you. That's what's so great about prayer. Is when you're wrestling with hard things or you're dealing with difficult things, there's always someone who's willing to hear. There's always someone concerned And who's ready to give you attention as you go to them in prayer. And that's the Lord. And turn with me to Psalm 145 verse 18. Here David, he emphasizes this same exact idea. And David, he consistently took advantage of this idea, right? Throughout the psalm, time after time, from little struggle to the most massive earth struggling, shattering, uh, all the, the horrible things that David endured, he went to God and he cried out to God and he prayed and he turned to the Lord. 
And we see that just in this one simple verse. In Psalm 145, verse 18, it says this, The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. And that's, that's really giving us that, that dual perspective, right? There, there's the one idea of when we go to God and we're earnest and we want to have that relationship with him and when we bring our, our struggles and our hurts and our concerns before him, he's just right there. He's so near to us. But when it becomes a facade, when it becomes putting on a mask, when it just becomes about being arrogant or being seen by others, he goes, that's not what I want at all. And so we have to begin to practice that. And truthfully, the writer of Hebrews, he actually echoes this very same sentiment. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he, he talks about how the death and resurrection of Jesus should change the way in which we pray, right? We were formerly alienated from the kingdom of God, right? Our sin had kept us dead to God and we are separate from him. But through Jesus Christ living a perfect life, coming down as the son of God through his, his perfect life and through his death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins and at, through his resurrection and conquering death and the power of hell, and through our salvation that comes from confessing that he is Lord and believing it in our hearts, we have a newfound confidence when we go before God because we have that salvation. Now we go, we go before God being made one of his children, right? That's what salvation is. It brings us from this family of death to this family of life. We are the adopted sons of God and daughters of God. And so now as we go before God, right, we can be confident that he is our father and that he sees us that way. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says that is the way in which we should think about it. It, it highlights the work of Jesus Christ in verses 14 and 15. And then here in verse 16 he says, and because of that, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. In a time of need. You so, see, a lot of people, they treat prayer as one of two things, right? They treat it either as, as Santa's wish list, or they treat it as like, I'm only going to pray in a group. Or I'm only going to pray at dinner time to bless my food. And he says, both have missed. Right? Here, you, you've missed the idea of a father who loves you and cares for you and who you go to and you praise him and you thank him. But here, you've missed the personal where he sees your needs and he wants to care for you. And as you draw near to him, he draws near to you and he sits there and he meets you in your time of need. And that's why Jesus says, go, get alone. He says, go in secrecy. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Go, get alone, spend some time with your Father. And draw to his throne, come to his throne with confidence. Confidence that he loves you. Confidence that he hears you. Confidence that he he sees you and that he will meet you with mercy and with grace and with care. He says, start practicing that. That's real prayer. That's really what our prayer should look like. That's really the tone of our prayer. That's how prayer starts to change the way that we interact with God. That's how prayer starts to radically help us grow. That's how we begin to understand God, is when our hearts need him. But then we we start to talk about, you know, what is this reward? What is this spiritual reward? He, He talks about how, you know, if you go and you meet God in this way, what does that prayer reward us with? Now, whenever we talk about rewards, a lot of us think about, you know, like financial rewards. That's like the number one thing. It's like, all right, you know, some people hear the reward uh, in, in Scripture and their, their eyes just flash with dollar signs, right? Like, all right, how many times do I got to pray to get that my car payment and money, right? Like, what does that look like? And so often... Jesus, he, he's almost never talking about any type of finances or monetary reward. When he starts talking about rewards, he's talking about a spiritual reward. Something that is far greater than the monetary of our world. So what is that reward? What does that look like? Well, truthfully, as we look at Scripture and as we look at the life of David... The reward that we saw throughout David's life was a continual reliance on God. And you may look and be like, I have to rely on God and that's like my reward, right? Shouldn't my reward be like, I don't have to rely on God? No, typically that's what we think though. We want to be self-sufficient. That's what we want to be. We want to not ever have to rely on anyone else other than us. And to us, that's the reward. But what God says, and this is exactly how Jesus flips the script, right? He says, this is not at all what it should be. You think that self-reliance is the reward. The the reward is actually forcing yourself to rely on God. Why? Because you start to put your burdens on him. Why? Because you... You mess things up when it's reliant on you. Why? Because when you have to be reliant on yourself, that's where anxiety creeps in. That's where the worry starts to set in in your life. When it's you, that's when there's a lack of confidence. That's when you have to put in so much effort where you have to struggle and you have to strive. You want to know why? In Scripture it says, come to me, my burden is light. Cast your burdens onto me. That's the reward. That's what we're looking for. When I look 
and I look at Scripture, I look and I say, my reward is knowing that I'm not in control. And that's so counter to everything that we work for in our lives on earth. Right? We work to be in control of things, to have our finances under control, to have our families under control, to be in control at our jobs, whatever it may be. We work for control. But here Jesus flips the script and says, no, 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 you pray and the reward as you pray is you start to give God control. You start to give up control. You see, what prayer is, is seeking God. And you want to know who you're not seeking when you're seeking God? You. That's a reward in and of itself. And so as we stop, and as we stop trying to be in control, and as we listen to God, and as we pray, and as we bring things before God, he answers us, and he listens to us. Now, those answers may not be always what you like, right? When I came to my dad and I asked him for things or I brought things before him or I was in times of need, the answer was not always, yes, you can have a brand new bike, Justin. Because I didn't need four bikes, right? That's what we think. See, the answers may look different, but what you can be confident in is, that you will receive an answer and then you get clued in to the plan of God. And you start to force yourself to rely on the plan of God, which is way better than your plan. Way better. And so those answers may be yes. The answer may be no. The answer may be wait and see. Or maybe come in a different way. May come through scripture. Or maybe, hey, dive in here. Or maybe it may be challenging you to take a next step in your faith, whatever it may be. But as you pray, you stop pursuing yourself and you start pursuing the Lord. And he says, that is the reward that we're looking for. Turn to Psalms chapter 17. Psalm chapter 17. David, he he starts to talk about just this idea of where these re- what this reward means. And you begin to see it as David prays when he talks about who God is and how God responds to his prayer and how he sees God in the midst of his prayer. He says this. I call, sorry, Psalm chapter 17, starting in verse 6, says this, I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear my words. Right, and he's talking about prayer there. And then in verse 7, he he starts here. He says, wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek uh, refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. You see, as you turn to God, he will listen, right? He will hear your words and he will become your refuge. He's not a refuge you built. You're not having to fight the battle because you're in his refuge. You're in his stronghold. He is protecting you. You're but a child hiding in his glorious power. A couple years ago, 
the Philadelphia 76ers had one of the best taglines of any sports team ever, in my opinion, right? And, and it came after season after season of falling short of their expectations. And so what they started to do was, they're like, hey, stop having these grand expectations. We're in a time of building. We're in a time of trying to get to where we're wanting to go. And so the tagline that they started to use was, trust the process. Right? And one of their, one of their, uh, their star players, he started to call himself the process, of course, because he couldn't let anyone else have any other attention. But the idea was, was trust in the process that we're working through. There's a process that we're going through, and eventually we're going to get to a place where we're a fantastic basketball team, and everyone's going to want to you know, be a fan, and you're going to be the one who said you were here from day one. You trusted in the process. You knew that it was going to happen all along. You see, prayer is the process of relinquishing our control. Prayer is the process of giving up what we like to hold on to. Prayer is the process of going before God, our Father. And like I said, that can be a scary thing for a multitude of reasons. Whether it's because it's hard to put in time, because it's hard to make time. Because it's hard to relinquish control. That's a hard one for me. Or a myriad of other reasons. It's difficult. It's a difficult process. But what Jesus says here is, stop turning to the easy. Stop turning to putting a mask on. Stop turning to only making it about you. Give yourself up to prayer. Trust the process. Trust the process of prayer. Start to make the process of prayer a habit. Start to check your attitude as you pray. Because it's worth it. Yeah, it may be shaky at first. Maybe odd to go and get alone. Maybe you're never alone. Maybe you're never, you never experience silence in your life. Maybe weird at first, right? Like a bike, maybe wobbly, maybe uncertain. It may be 30 seconds of prayer to begin with. And every day, 30 seconds more. It may be difficult, but trust the process of prayer. And as you pray, remind yourself of the process that comes from being a child of God from knowing that your heavenly Father is hearing you as you bring before him your needs and your hurts and your hardships and your questions and maybe what you're looking to and the ways that you're trying to grow and the ways you're trying to obey him and your thankfulness for all the ways that he has grown you and that he has shown up to you, all those different things. Prayer is the process. And so I encourage you, trust in it. And over the next week, we're going to talk about what prayer looks like, right? I laid out for you the next couple weeks how we're going to look at, at, at prayer. And I would encourage you, over these next couple weeks, it's a great time to start practicing. 
It's a great time to start looking at your own prayer life. Don't wait till like the end of week four to start praying. It's a great chance to start praying now. Maybe it's in your car as you go to work. Don't close your eyes while you're praying, but, but pray as you go to work. Right? Take some time. And as, as you drive, just spend some time talking to the Lord. Even if you have to talk out loud, you might look weird to people driving by, but you're talking to your heavenly father. Or maybe it's right when you get to work in your office, you just take a second. Or you stay five minutes after you're done working when maybe everyone's cleared out of the office and you know that when you get home, your kids are going to be crazy and you're not going to get a chance to be quiet there. So you have this five minutes to pray and take that five minutes and pray. Maybe it's when you're going to sleep or when you first wake up or, or whatever that may look like. But start to practice prayer. Talk to the Lord your God because he is ready to hear from you and that is how you will begin to understand and have a deep relationship with him and so let's pray today as we close bow your heads with me Lord Lord I'm just continually humbled that you creator you, Savior, you, Lord, wants to hear what I have to say. Lord, but time and time again in Scripture, I see that you call me to prayer. Lord, and I pray that you would help encourage each and every one of us in this room to make prayer a priority. Lord, if we've turned prayer into something that's haughty or or extravagant, Lord, I pray that you'd strip that away. You'd take that away from our hearts. Lord, if prayer is intimidating for maybe someone in this room, I pray that you would help them to be confident that you are their father and you are ready to hear from them. Lord, and for those of us who maybe have gotten into a rhythm of prayer that has been so much more about just spouting off words or having an arrogant heart, Lord, I pray that you would take that away as well. Lord, that we would turn to you, not out of a desire to show our spirituality, but as a desire to more deeply understand you. And as a desire to get alone and to turn over our fears and our hurts and our desire to control to you, who is our Father. Lord, but we thank you for prayer. We thank you that you've given us an avenue to speak to you. Lord, and I pray that you would help us to take every opportunity to stay in prayer with you. Lord, we love you. In your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen.